Several years ago, I was turning on my microphone. Several years ago, I was visiting my brother. He lives in my hometown, and <clears throat> he is a high school teacher there. And I was doing a lot of things, but I had called him and said, "Hey, can I talk to you about this thing?" And he said, "Just come by the school. I'll tell the office, and they'll give you a pass. You can come in and see me at lunchtime." So I got a chance to see what his lunchtime is like, and it was very busy. People were always coming and going. We we did conclude the conversation I wanted, but it took about 10 steps because people kept interrupting. But I remember one of the people, there were kids who wanted to reschedule an exam or all kinds of stuff, but but I remember one, one visitor during his lunch hour was another teacher. And the teacher said, hey, what about this student? I don't remember her name, but some student. And uh, my brother said, yeah, um, you know, the, the reason for the um, absenteeism is there's a situation at her home. And, um, and then he said this, he said, he said, she's one of the good ones. We're going to carry her across the finish line. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about finish lines. Um, because, because that's what we're, we're aiming for. That's what we should aim for. Um, we began a conversation uh, last week talking about change. Is it possible to change our lives? If there's parts of our lives we don't want, can we change those? And um, what we what we talked about last week is is the way the world changes things or, or attempts to change things is typically by a resolution. I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm going to start doing this. And New Year's is, of course, the time when people really begin doing that in, in earnest, but people do it all the time. People make a resolution, they say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, and then they don't. Because resolutions aren't all that effective. And, so, by contrast, the, what, Christianity says something different about change. Christianity says change is, is central to what it means to be a Christian. The, the idea of Christianity is that, is that, um, as Paul says, um, the, that uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And the picture there is that we are part of this age, this, you know, this, you know, from, from now and up to whenever this age ends and all the way back to the beginning of this age, we're part of this age. And, um, we live in it, but the age that is coming is the, is the, um, is the, the resurrection, the age of the resurrection in which God renews all things and, uh, everything that is, is bad or evil, everything that causes pain or suffering will not be a part of that age. So that's the, the, the basic idea is that, you know, the, the golden age is still coming. It's not back in the past. It's still coming. But because of Christ, that age is already breaking into, into our age. It's like something, something broke when Jesus was raised from the grave. Something broke and there's cracks in our age and the new age is seeping into this world or really flooding into this world and the place where that happens or at least a place where that happens is in people the apostle paul says if anyone is in christ he is a new creation that person is part of the new creation so so um uh, jesus says no one can enter the kingdom of of god Except if they are born, reborn from above. So this idea of unless, unless we change, we cannot be part of that age to come. Uh, and so Christianity says changes is vital, but it also says it doesn't happen immediately. Um, the, in, in the letter to the Romans, Paul says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, not because our minds were renewed, but by the ongoing process of the renewal of our 
of our minds. And in the letter we're going to look at today, Paul says, he says, the one, the, the one who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So Paul acknowledges that, that the, the process of change is not immediate, but he says it's vital. It really, to become, uh, uh, to be a Christian is to, is to be part of a journey of change. So, so, um, the question is then, okay, well, if that's the way Christian, if that's what Christians think about change, how do you change? Or, or more to the point, what do I do during this process? So how does that, what does that look like? What am I supposed to do while this, this change is underway? And that's what we're going to look at today. Paul's going to tell us what we should do. And the answer is we are to focus on the finish line. The word is stay focused on what's up ahead. The, the, finish line. So, so we, we could ask, why is it that, that, uh, we don't just, you know, if God can change us, why doesn't He just do it? Why do we have to wait? Why do we have this race to run? Why, why can't we just be transported instantly to the finish line? Why do we have to, to go through this? And, uh, you know, we, we can speculate. There's different passages people, people look at and say, well, this is why or whatever. But it doesn't really matter why. It's that we see this is very characteristic of God. If you think about the stories in the in the scriptures, Abraham is promised a son, and then he waits twenty five years until God gives him his son Isaac. the The people of Israel they're 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 taken up to the uh, uh, they're freed from slavery in Egypt. They're brought up to the the verge of the promised land. They turn around and say, "We don't want to go in." And so God says, "Okay," and then He waits forty years before bringing them into the promised land. King David was a little kid herding sheep when the, the the prophet Samuel anointed him king. But he didn't actually become king for another 15 or maybe even as many as 20 years. So he was 30 by the time that he became king. This is something God does for whatever reason. This is characteristically what God does. He says, yeah, you'll get there, but you know it, it'll be a bit. And so, so what do we do while we're waiting, while we're while we're on this this path toward change, and what Paul says is we focus on the end. So uh, we're going to be looking at uh, verse um, nine, and um, sometimes this is nine b. The, the verses were added in the Middle Ages, so uh, uh, in the what is it, the early modern period, they were added in the 1500s, and um, so there's disagreements about where you break them. So. Um, our translation starts a new sentence a few words into verse 9. So so that's where we're picking things up. Paul says, In Christ I have a righteousness that is not my own and does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. So he says, I have a righteousness. I am put right with God, not because of my obedience to the law. Not It doesn't come from the law, but from the faithfulness of Christ. So I've been given this this new position with God, um, not because of what I did, but because of what Christ has done. And he says, it is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. And uh, some older translations say, say my faith in God. Uh, our translation says more the faithfulness of God. Um, it really doesn't matter because the point, he says in verse 10, is the righteousness I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the participation in his sufferings. What does he mean by that? He means that um, that I know Christ, but I don't just know about Christ. I actually have have um, a relationship with Christ. I have experience with Christ 
That's the kind of knowledge he's talking about. And in particular, he knows what the power of Christ's resurrection is. He's experienced the power of the resurrection in his life already. And he knows, he knows that, uh, that that leads to participating in his sufferings. What does he mean by that? He could mean something as simple as, as, um, you know, again, if you think of, think of this picture, right? We're in this age. We're, we're headed toward that age. And that age is flooding into this world, changing us. The picture I talked about last week was we, we live in an age of round holes and round pegs. But in the age to come, the, the holes will be square. And so God is turning us into square pegs right now. And because of that, we don't fit in the way we used to. That, that, you know, when, when we, when we do anything in this world, we're kind of swimming against the current. So, so that's part of the suffering. But I think Paul means even more than that. I think he means this world resists the, the age that is coming. And you might think of it like a, uh, uh, an immune system fighting off, um, a transplanted organ or something. That, that he's saying, you know, that th- this world attacks the, the age that is coming because it doesn't recognize it. It says, you're not like this age, so I'm going to do what I can to get rid of you. So he says, I've experienced the power of the resurrection, and I've also experienced the the suffering that comes from being part of the, the age to come. So he says, these are things that I've already experienced because of Christ. And he says, um, it includes being conformed to his death, so I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, so just kind of keep that in mind. We're going to look at um, half of 10 and 11 in a minute. So, so, but, but talking about, he's, he's talked about the, the experience of, of the, the resurrection power and also, uh, the sufferings that, that come with it. And he says, it's not that I've already reached this goal. So I've experienced something. I, I'm on my way. I'm a different Paul than I was a year ago or five years ago or whatever. I'm, I'm different, but I'm not at the goal line yet. I haven't reached the finish line. So he says, I have not already reached the goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it. That's what I aim at. I aim at the, the, the final, the final goal. He says, um, so that I may grab hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. And then in case you missed that, Paul repeats himself. He says, brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. So he says, I stay focused on the things in front of me. I don't worry about, you know, today and yesterday and a month ago. I focus on the the future. So he says, why do I do that? Um, he says, this is my goal. And uh, and now he needs to explain what is that goal. So he's focused on the goal. What is the goal? What is the finish line? He says in verse um uh, 14, the goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So last week we talked about the ideas. Ultimately, our goal is to become square pegs. That in, a, in, in the age to come, we will be like Christ. We will be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Um, and, and we're not there yet, but that's what we're headed toward. We're headed toward being Christ-like. And so the language he uses here, he's got a lot of these sports metaphors in here, and he says, um, the prize of the upward call. In, in Roman culture, they were always doing, you know, the, the games, you know, we hear about gladiators, but they had things like the Olympics, they would do discus throwing and all that stuff. So, uh, when you won a competition, you'd be summoned up to the judge's station 
and you'd get uh, you know your your price. You'd get your laurel leaves. And he's saying that's what I'm aimed at. I'm aimed at that thing, which is to be the perfect square peg, just like Christ. I want to fit in the age that is coming. That's my goal. I want that prize. I want to be a creature of the new age when the new age arrives or when I arrive in it. So he says, that's the goal I'm aimed for. I'm not concerned about the things along the way. That a lot of us, we, we may think, well, look, I want to I want to deal with some bad habit. I want to deal with the way I, I, I relate to money or to some substance. I, I want to you know deal with my anger. We think about little things. And Paul says, no, no, big picture. You want to become like Christ. And if you do, these other things fall out of that. That, that you will... By by its very nature, if you are being made like Christ, then these other problems you're you're concerned with, they'll take care of themselves. So he says, stay focused on the goal, the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. And then, I love verse 15, he says, all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. They should think of themselves as headed toward Christ and not there yet. And he says, if some people think that they already are, well, God will show them. Eventually, they will figure it out. They're not there yet, but you know they will belly flop in some terrible way, and there'll be some some damage to repair. But they will eventually learn they're not Christ yet. But but that's what we're headed toward. Those of us who are spiritually mature know how immature we really are, how much we still have to go. So he says, so let's live in a way that's consistent with whatever level we have achieved, uh, whatever level we've reached. So he says, he says, if you're, you know, if. To, to think of a racing metaphor, the race has ten laps. If you're if you've done three laps, live like somebody who's done three laps. Don't live like somebody who's still at the starting line. That as you head toward the the end of the race, live like somebody who's achieved that particular level. And one of the reasons he says is uh, because because there's other people around who need models. He says, become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. If you live like somebody who's still at the starting line, you can't be a model for anybody else. So he says, the the good news is you don't have to wait to get to the finish line. right? You can experience this resurrection power already. So even though it's only the third lap, you can already experience it. At that particular level. So, so live like that. Don't, don't wait and say, well, I'm going to wait till I've got to the end and then I'll, then I'll start acting like Christ. He says, no, at, on your way, you, you don't focus on those little things in between here and there, but, but they, as they, as they appear, as they manifest themselves in your life, live like that. So, so live at whatever level, um, you know, you've been leveled up to. So, he says, do that. And then um, he has a different picture of it here in verse 20. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And the idea here, Philippi is in northern Greece. So Paul started the church in about 51 AD. It's probably 55 now. He's writing this letter to them, telling them about this stuff. And he's saying, there are Roman citizens in Philippi, right? They have citizenship in Rome, but they're not in Rome. They're living in, in Greece. And he says, we're like that. Our citizenship is in this age that is coming. It is, it is the, the, the character of heaven that, that describes our, our citizenship. And he says, but we're in Greece. We're in this age. We're, we're not in our, the, the place that is our true home and our destiny. So he says, that's, that's, um, that's our situation. 
So how would you behave if you're a Roman walking around in Philippi? You can't act like a Greek, right? They won't, they won't accept you. You, and the Romans won't accept you. That you, you have to act like who you are. So he says, our citizenship is in heaven. Start acting like somebody who is part of that age that is coming. Uh, at whatever level God has, God has, um, brought you along. So, um, he says, uh, and we look forward to a savior that comes from there and he will transform our humble bodies so they're like his glorious body by the power that makes himself able to subject all things to himself. So he says, he says, ultimately, that's where, that, that's what will happen is that either, either we will come to Christ or he will come to us at the end of this age and he will complete the work that he began in us. And he means, uh, what he was talking about in verse, um, 11, he says, it includes being conformed to his death so I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. So Paul says perhaps because, because he hasn't experienced that yet. He's experienced the power of the resurrection working in him, but he doesn't know what, what that will be like to transition from a dead body to a, to a, to a uh, glorious body. He's saying, that's the part, I don't really have any experience with that. Um, I have a conviction it will happen. I don't know what that's going to be like. And, and so all I've got so far is what I've, what I've experienced. But, but I know he will, he will change my body. And I think that there's an idea there. He's saying that the, the double-mindedness. Last week we talked about how we have died and our lives are hidden with Christ in God. But that's our spiritual life, right? Our body is still what it is. Our, our body is still walking around. And, you know, if your body's like mine, it causes you some trouble because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And he's saying that as our bodies are, are, um, restored to glorious bodies, what, what they will be in the resurrection. When that happens, that double mindedness, that, that kind of pulling in two directions will also be a thing of the, of the past. So he says, I'm looking forward to that. Um, when my body and my spirit are are in alignment, when they're when they're attuned for each other, so he says that's that's the picture. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be uh, contestants in a race. We're gonna be citizens of another place. We're we're working on the the finish line, and along the way, we we try to behave like somebody who's at that level. If we're in the third lap, we behave like people in the third lap. So so that's that's the picture, Paul. Paul talks about how we how we behave while we're while we're being transformed. While this process of transformation is un, unfolding, we stay focused on the end goal. Now, if you're like me, you might be wondering, how is this different from positive thinking? Right? Is this just you just psych yourself into thinking about the end line? And and no, Paul says no. He says he says it is not um, not positive thinking because positive thinking says you can do this you know the the little engine that could i think i can right that's not that's not what this is he's saying i have a righteousness that comes um that that comes not from the law not from the things i can do but from the faithfulness of christ i have i i know christ i know the power of his resurrection i know even what sufferings that leads to he says it is christ working in me that that is going on here. All I do is I stay focused on the end on the end goal, and I don't sweat the process along the way. I don't I don't get tunnel vision. If I'm if I'm thinking about my my the way I deal with money, I don't I don't focus on that. I, I stay focused on the end goal because I know that that will come out 
of being transformed as I become more and more like Christ. So that's that's the application. Stay focused on the end. The end is not that you will be a better money manager or you'll be able to deal with substances differently or you'll <clears throat> you'll be able to to be a better parent or a better uh, son or daughter. You'll you'll be like Christ. And if you're like Christ, then you will be those other things. So that is the application. Stay focused on Christ-likeness, and then to whatever extent you have achieved it, and Paul says he himself was not not done. So whatever extent you have, live like that. Live like that citizen of heaven, um, even though you're not there yet. So so do that. Um, and, and I would just say, I would add that, that this is... Um, Something that, that you can do with other people too. You can assume that they're on a path too. And instead of getting focused on the thing that drives you crazy about them, you can say, okay, do they have the right goal? And you can be thinking about, okay, well, if they've got the right goal, then it really doesn't matter to me what order God, God addresses their problems in. I was reading the, uh, the Christian writer C.S. Lewis. He says this. He says, the Christian is not somebody who never goes wrong but someone who keeps trying. And he says, very often what God helps us toward is not the virtue itself, but the power of trying again. And he says, Christians should not be discouraged because every time you fall, he will pick you up. So, so we can, we can extend that same grace to other people. It's like, I I am a work in progress. Um, and you know, for whatever reason right now, God's working on starting over again or trying again and again, not, not succeeding at this particular thing. You know, I'm overdrawn again this month, but I'm going to try again. I'm not going to say, oh, it's hopeless. So I'm focused on the, the goal. I'm focused on the, the goal, the upward call, um, of, of, um, Christ. So that is, that is, uh, what we should do in our own lives. Live it, live at that level, whatever that level is. Stay focused on the goal. Help other people if they're working on a goal. Give them some grace and maybe be maybe be a model for them, um, or look to them as a model if they're ahead of you. So so look at other people as as models, not as uh, projects to to be fixed. Um, and um, and I think we can do that as a church as well. You know, I think as church, you know, part of our role as a church is to be models um, for one another um, and for the world. And to do that, we need to we need to know what we're trying to do. We need to know what our goal is. So, so um, our goal is to help people trust Jesus for a better life, to have that that life of the age to come. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, that you have higher goals than we do. We focus on. Um, particular things we would like to improve. But you want us to be like your son. Help us to focus on that goal and to have the courage to get up and try again every time we fail, knowing that that ultimately our success is not from our own strength, but from your power working in us. Help us, Lord, to to keep our eyes on the the finish line so that we may receive the upward call in Christ Jesus. We pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen.